Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. In this Sunday's Gospel, Jesus' disciples uh, come, ask him to teach them to pray, and in response he gives them the words of the Our Father, or what we sometimes call the Lord's Prayer. And if you go to the part four of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, there is a body of material there on prayer that is beautifully written. It actually starts out uh, with a a statement of St. Therese of Lisieux. For me, prayer is a surge of the heart. It is a simple look turned toward heaven. It is a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. And uh, there's also another quote here from St. John Damascene. Prayer is the raising of one's mind and heart to God, or the requesting of good things from God. And this section of the Catechism, again, is incredibly rich. I've heard so many people bear witness to that uh, evaluation over many years now. And to help us uh, enter more deeply into the Lord's Prayer, I've asked Peggy Stan to join us. Peggy is a dame of the Order of Malta. She was ABC News' first female Washington correspondent, does many programs with us here at Ave Maria Radio, including her Malta Minute with the Catechism. Peggy, good to have you with me. Hi, Al. I'm so glad you're feeling better. Yes, well, thanks. I know that you had uh, you fought, fought with COVID earlier this year, I guess. Huh? I, I did in January, yeah. but I, I, I felt very blessed because I got a, a very mild case. I mm-hmm. sounded horrible because it was in my larynx, but... I really, you know, didn't suffer nearly as much as a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, same in my case. I had one very severe day, but uh, the rest of it was like an intense cold. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. In fact, I can think of uh, when I've had uh, bronchitis, where it was much worse. Right, right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, get off our health and, t- yeah, <laughs> and right. talk about something a little more edifying. Well, yeah, I was right. going to say, where the Our Father? <laughs> were you employing the Our Father <laughs> this, this past week? <laughs> so the Catechism holds up the Our Father uh, as the perfect prayer. Right. Tell us more right. about it. Right. Well, it's interesting, uh, you know, you talked about this, the b- very beautiful uh, section of the uh, Christian on Christian prayer, uh, prayer, and I counted that, and it's about 82 pages, and 31 of those pages um, talk exclusively about the Our Father. Mm. Um, you know, there are two versions of it in right. the Gospels. St. Luke has only a brief text, I don't I don't want to insult St. Luke, but I don't care for it. <laughs> as much as Matthew, yeah. <laughs> Matthew's is much better, and that's the one, of course, that we say uh, in Mass every, you know, right. every day we have it. Um, and and um, St. Augustine, you know, uh, said, I think if you run through all the words of the Holy Prayers— I do not think you'll find anything in them that is not contained and included in the Lord's Prayer. Mm, And St. Thomas Aquinas says it's the most perfect of prayers. In it, we ask not only for all the things that we can rightly desire, but also in the sequence that they should be desired. I thought that was a an, an interesting point. Yeah, there's a logical unfolding through mm-hmm. the prayer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't realize St. Thomas had pointed that out, but yes, it makes sense to me. 
Well, I was thinking my my own comment is that, you know, only the Son of God could pack such a wallop of wisdom in so few words, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, no, very true. Yeah. Um, the Catechism then uses the uh, Latin phrase, Oratio Domenica. Okay. Uh, the Our Father, according to the Catechism, is truly unique. It's of the Lord, which is what Oratio Domenica means. Mm-hmm. And... Um, is the only son of God, the father, Jesus in speaking. I thought this was a comment that kind of jumped out at me. Uh, God, the Jesus in speaking the words, his father gave him. Yeah. Is the yeah. master of our prayer. Yeah. Think about when now when, when you heard that phrase, the words, his father gave him, what did that conjure up in your mind, Al? Uh, it, it again makes me think that Jesus is himself the very Word of God, uh, mm. and so he's always bringing forth the Father's revelation and what the Father wants spoken to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, and it says, "Is the Word incarnate?" And here's another thing that I, I hadn't really thought about, but Jesus, in his human heart, mm-hmm. knows the needs of his human brothers and sisters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's thinking uh, in from his human heart rather than his divine heart. I mean, mm-hmm. this is such a mystery that <laughs> I don't think we're going to parse that right now. But mm. um, but what the meaning is, they start out when they're talking about it. They say, what are we expressing when we use the word our yeah. in relationship to God? Yeah. Yeah. And the Catechism tells us the adjective our does not mean possession, but an entirely new relationship with God. It means that we recognize that all God's promises of love coming through the prophets are fulfilled in the new and eternal covenant in his Christ. The our in the Our Father, if prayed sincerely, also includes all of whom, for whom God gave his beloved son. Uh, I think this is something we need to uh, cogitate in this unruly, divisive world, revealing the dimension of God's love for all, even those who do not yet know him, so that Christ may gather into one all the children of God. Yeah, that's a that's a tough thing to <laughs> so well, remember. I think I think the Catholic teaching on this is that the the when we say our in our Father, mm-hmm. that uh, we we have to include all of humanity, not mm-hmm. not only the baptized, mm-hmm. because human beings are made for God. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always calling them to Himself, uh, and. Uh, if we don't include them in our speaking, our Father, mm-hmm. we're actually uh, undermining. Um, uh, the, we're making we're drawing a division between ourselves that, in prayer, God doesn't. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have to again all those uh, whom He created are covered in the word our. Mm-hmm. All of us, the, mm-hmm. the mass of humanity. I know, and even even those, not not just those who've never heard of him, but people who have heard of him but are blinded, right. don't really know uh, 
what he who he is or what he has asked us to live and how us, and the commands he's given us and and it's hard for us uh in this day and age when uh, the issue of abortion you know uh we're so divided on it mm-hmm. that that we 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 don't f- focus that people are really blinded i yeah. think people are honestly blinded because i think i know people who are really basically very good people but they just don't get it right right and uh, but but our god loves them just as much as he loves me yeah <laughs> probably more <laughs> yeah when we say our father we are expressing our solidarity with all of humanity mm-hmm. not just with the baptized or with those you know mm-hmm. who share our doctrinal statement uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, no, I think that's a good point. You know, and I loved listening to your commentary. You made such very good points. I think, uh, and the Catechism points out, Al, in that uh, section on Christian prayer, saying that uh, we prayer is a battle. It uses that phrase, prayer is a battle, because we do have a hard time uh, communicating with someone we cannot see. Right. Um, and, and we... As you say, sometimes we actually feel God's presence, but uh, a lot of times it's very dry. Mm-hmm. And and I confess, that I hope somebody gets something out of our meditations here because I did just studying this. Uh, I've been guilty so many times of saying the Our Father at Mass, and my mind has been a thousand <laughs> miles away. Yeah, <laughs> you're, not, you're like not you're, alone. Yeah. I think everybody listening to us knows that as well. I mean, they've had the experience. And you say, "Oh my gosh, I just said the Our Father, and I didn't hear one." Yeah. But I have, in the last couple of days, because I've been doing this, I've been really thinking about there. Uh, and there are, I didn't really think, I don't know if you, I'm sure you did because you're so well-versed in all of this, but the seven petitions, I never really thought of it being divided up into the seven petitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it's, it's, it's a good way of, again, getting a handle on it, and also mm-hmm. that all will help um, the unfolding of the prayer. Uh, mm-hmm. How one mm-hmm. petition uh, again has a relationship to the next, to the other one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, right. So the the first one, of course, is um, "Who art in heaven," mm-hmm. and and so the Catechism says we're not referring to a God who's far away from us, but a Father who is close to humble and contrite hearts. Yeah, yeah. a God who is in the hearts of the just, as He is, just as much as He is in His holy temple. And then what do we mean when we say, hallowed be thy name? That's the second petition. When we say that, uh, we are recognizing the holiness of God. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think some people thought they were just kind of saluting him. <laughs> I, yeah. No, I do remember a man said, he used to say, hail to, <laughs> hail to the Father, hail to thy name. And I asked him in church, I said, um, I'm, I'm curious why you use the term hail. And he said, well, aren't we saying hello? And I said, well, it actually is hallowed. <laughs> he said, oh, I didn't know. That. But, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> but, yeah, we hadn't 
But it actually isn't, it is not a salutation, it's the holiness of yes, God. Right. Yeah. The yeah. Catechism tells us that the holiness of God is the inaccessible center of his eternal mystery. What is revealed of his holiness in history, in nature, is called by Scripture glory. Right. Now, I, I confess I didn't, you know, we've used that term glory over and over and over again. And I don't know that I associated that necessarily with holiness. Did yeah. you? Uh, it's, I usually associate it with uh, uh, weightiness or gravity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, the glory of God is his um, undeniable uh, weight or his, un- mm-hmm. his gravity in relationship to everything that exists. That's his glory. We'll come back, though. We've got to take a break and pick it up. Hallowed be thy name in the Lord's Prayer. Good afternoon to you. I'm Al Cresto. With me, Peggy Stanton. She is the uh, host of uh, the Malta Minute with the Catechism, and we are actually going to the Catechism Taking a look at the Lord's Prayer today, it'll be our Sunday reading, uh, gospel reading. And so we were up in the, uh, looked at uh, uh, the uh, phrase, hallowed be thy name, and the Catechism tells us that the holiness of God is the inaccessible center of his eternal mystery. And then we were looking at this uh, other phrase, what's revealed of his holiness in history, in nature, is called by Scripture, glory. And I think this is this is what we were discussing before the break. And glory is, I, I said, it has to do with the weightiness or the gravity mm-hmm. of God. Uh, it has to do with the, the, he is the source of all which is good, true, and beautiful. Um, he's, he is, um, uh, James writes in his first uh, chapter that the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, you know, hmm. uh, th- what this means again is to is to um, th- have full appreciation, um, to 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 have full appreciation, f- grasp the full weightiness of one's condition. So when Isaiah tells us that God created us for His glory, mm-hmm. um, it means that we're supposed as his image to be reflecting back to him who he is mm-hmm. we're to glorify god because through us god's glory can be seen mm-hmm. in what love they can be seen in music can be seen in you know sacrificial uh, laying down our lives for others but uh at the same time saint paul says that you know we've got this uh, glory or this treasure in jars of clay so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah unfortunately yeah yeah, yeah. Well, as the Catechism says, uh, what is revealed of God's holiness uh, is in in history, is in nature, and is called, as we said, yeah. a glory. The glory of the heavens, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I don't know that I ever specifically associated that, oddly enough, with holiness, but the Catechism does. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and when God made man in his image and likeness, he crowned him with glory and honor. But when man sinned, he fell short 
of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then we come to the phrase, thy kingdom come. And the catechism states, the kingdom of God lies ahead of us. It is brought near in the word, in the word, meaning Jesus, the incarnate, Jesus Christ. It is proclaimed throughout the whole gospel. In Christ's death and resurrection, it has come in the Eucharist. It is actually in our midst, when you think about it. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The end times in which we are living, and it's, hard, it's strange to think of that, but we are living in the end times, mm -hmm. is the age of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the decisive battle between the flesh and the spirit. I does feel like we're in some kind of a decisive battle. I will say that. Well, yeah, it's, it does seem as though uh, the forces that seek to serve God mm -hmm. are um, coming into increasing conflict with those forces that have decided that God is irrelevant Mm -hmm. to our life in this world mm -hmm. and we we see we see this all over uh in the the, the attitude towards many of our political cultural yeah. academic elites have towards uh quote religious people mm -hmm. uh there's a kind of a, a looking down uh, on people um but i i think uh at the same time we we have to recognize that when we ask for his kingdom uh, to come mm -hmm. we are talking about him taking action now mm -hmm. on earth mm -hmm. it's not something we simply wait for right. in heaven the new creation has already begun right and right. so this battle between you might say the new creation and the old creation is going on yeah uh, i feel like uh the serpent and the savior are going toe to toe right <laughs> as right. in as if Never before. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, then we come to thy will be done, which is where on the one, two, third petition, the catechism explains that God desires for all men to be saved. We talked about that and come to know the truth. He does not wish anyone to perish in his son, Jesus Christ, and through his human will, the will of the Father has been perfectly fulfilled once and for all. Only Jesus can say, I always do what is pleasing to him. As he prayed in the garden, mm. not my will, but yours be done. You know, um, sometimes I think that's a, a really easy prayer to say. That sounds funny to, to say that, but let's say... You know, you're wishing for something. Mm -hmm. You're really wishing it. Uh, but you're not sure that is God's will. And you have a feeling maybe it's not. Yeah. Uh, you just say, not my will, but thine. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to go into a long dissertation. Just repeat what the Lord said. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also encouraging, though, that... Uh, Doing the will of God requires many times uh, sacrifice, mm -hmm. and and Jesus, uh, you know who we who I think we would all agree <laughs> is is the Son of God, is the Word of God. He is without sin, and yet in the Garden of Gethsemane, he has to agonize 
over right. doing right. the will of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he uh, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly how this plays out in the hypostatic union, but mm-hmm. the idea that the Son of God, who came into this world um, uh, for uh, to be a sacrifice, uh, is at the very end of his earthly life and ministry, is kind of agonizing over mm-hmm. whether it has to go this way or not. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Well, it, whereas there's a phrase in Scripture, uh, isn't it, uh, St. John, he emptied himself. Right. And so... It's Philippians chapter 2 there, yeah. There's, yeah, that's where I think he just emptied himself. The divinity was there, but... He emptied, I don't know, he emptied himself of the knowledge of it or the feeling of it at that moment so that he could truly suffer as a human being. Yeah, yeah, it, it, this is a great, it's a very mysterious passage, mm-hmm. and it, it is a passage that theologians and, and biblical exegetes, uh, you know, argue about all the time. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, it means that he chose that uh, he would not, uh, ex- fully exercises divine prerogatives. Mm-hmm. You know, he he decided to t- right. to take right. on uh, human nature, mm-hmm. and that meant the veiling of his divine prerogatives. He could still mm-hmm. use them when he wanted to. I mean, he could still he he yeah. didn't limit himself in any. He wasn't in bondage not to use his divine prerogatives. But by yeah, his well, choice, the miracles prove that exactly. Yeah. yeah, but his choice was that those would be in a sense hidden by his mm-hmm. human nature. Mm-hmm. So then we come to uh, we, uh, give us this day our daily bread. So when we ask the Father, uh, the Catechism says, to give us this day our daily bread, what are we actually asking merely for daily nourishment? Uh, we are, says the Catechism, indeed asking the Father who gives us life for the material and spiritual nourishment which life requires, but we are asking for much more. Those who seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness, God has promised to give all else besides. Since everything belongs to God, he who possesses God possesses everything if he himself is not found wanting. So this petition also applies to another hunger from which people are perishing, and that's thirst for the word of the Lord and for Catholics, of course, receiving Christ's body in the Eucharist is our daily yeah. bread. There's several church fathers uh, see this daily bread as a reference to uh, the Eucharist. And I think Brent Petrie is probably the one who's done the best job of exploring mm-hmm. uh, that that side of this. Uh, it's uh, the, the idea that uh, this daily bread has a connection to mm-hmm. the manna that mm-hmm. the Israelites yeah. received daily when they were in the wilderness. Right. And so it's kind of a, a, a um, it's not just your natural bread, but it's a mm-hmm. supra-natural mm-hmm. bread mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you receive. Yeah. Well, and Catherine of Siena, didn't she exist for a period of time totally? Was it Catherine of Siena on, on the Eucharist? I can't say. I don't know that for sure. I know that uh, St. Therese of Coiners, uh, excuse me, not uh, Saint, uh, but Therese of Coiners, Connors Royth, uh, a German mystic, mm-hmm. uh, that was said of her, uh, but I don't know if that's mm-hmm. uh, if that's actually nailed down. It, it may well be. I'm just yeah. ignorant. Okay, now we come to the biggie. <laughs> 
is that catechism actually it acknowledges this is the tough one. Uh, it, it, they use the word, they say, this petition is astonishing. Um, forgive us our trespasses, comma, as we forgive those who trespass against us. So think about that. We are really saying, I mean, that's really frightening. Because if we don't forgive our fellow man when we're offended by them, um, we're saying to God, you don't need to forgive me. Yeah. Um, so the church says, uh, again, I say the, the church or the catechism says this petition is astonishing uh, because according to the second phrase, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us, our petition will not even be heard yeah. unless we have first met a strict requirement. This is daunting. That's another word that you don't see that often in the catechism. This outpouring of God's mercy cannot penetrate our hearts as long as we have not forgiven those who have trespassed against us. Right. Love, like the body of Christ, is indivisible. That's a good phrase, I mm-hmm. think. We cannot love the God we cannot see if we do not love the brother or sister we do see. In refusing to forgive our brothers and sisters, our hearts are closed and their hardness makes them impervious to the Father's merciful love. But in confessing our sins, our hearts are open, at least they're open to his grace. Um, Mm. But it's so important because it's the only one to which uh, the Catechism points out, to which the Lord actually returns and which he develops explicitly in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And this crucial requirement is, impo- is impossible for man, but with God's grace, all things are possible. So much of human history is driven by the hardness of men's hearts. Mm-hmm. They've been unable to forgive one another. Mistakes get made. Words mm-hmm. get said. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are off- uh, you, you commit an offense against somebody. Mm-hmm. And and it's never resolved. It's never reconciled. Right, right. And and sometimes these go on to. Uh, I, I I mean I think of Ted Turner in this whole area. Uh, his uh, he prayed uh, to have his sister healed. She wasn't healed. And uh, when God didn't quote answer his prayer, he went on to live a life in direct defiance. Mm. Uh, of God. This happens yeah. all the time in yeah. human history, uh, and it's not just in a direct relationship with God. It's in a relationship with a parent. It's in a relationship mm-hmm. with an employer. It's in a relationship right. with a former lover. And one's life is shaped then by mm-hmm. this uh, uh, offense against another mm-hmm. or unwillingness to forgive another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, you know, um, we had um, very vivid picture of that during the Balkan War. Uh, we had uh, a trauma relief team. Oh, I hear the music. Yeah. Are we, are we out of time? We're out of time. <laughs> okay. uh, hold on to that story, though. We should pick it up next time we talk. Okay. Yeah, I, I, we've talked about this before. I think that's really worthwhile. So, Peggy, thanks so much. Thank you, Al. And, uh, it was a great discussion. Yeah, so we've, you've sharpened us uh, for Sunday. Uh, again, the 
The gospel reading has to do with the Lord's Prayer. I'm Al Creston.